0: Content discussed on this podcast may be triggering for some individuals. So if you feel like today you can't quite handle it, that's totally fine. You can press pause and come back another day. Remember, we're always going to be here. And if you need immediate help, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Welcome to the final episode of Season 1. I'm your host, Madeline Charrington. Welcome to If You Don't Mind. This is very emotional for me. I can't believe that I've come to the end. It literally feels like so long ago that I decided I was going to do this podcast and I... I'm in complete shock that I got it to this point. Um, yeah, I think, look, it's, it's just so great. <laughs> I'm babbling. Okay. I'm going to introduce the episode before I get too emotional. So for episode 12, I thought it would be cool to switch things up a bit and tell my own story. I feel like I've had so many people come on the show and be so brave and share their experiences, but I kind of haven't. I gave a little bit of an overview of my journey in the kind of introduction to this podcast, and I've made comments here and there um, throughout interviews, but I thought it would be good (laughs) to do what 11 other people uh, have done already, and that is share my story. Obviously that meant I needed a host I needed someone to interview me so I asked one of my best friends Sydney Serang who is a complete character the funniest person I know you know in the the funniest person in the world she is has a sense of humor that I've never experienced before she is laugh out loud funny And I said to her, will you interview me on my podcast? And she said, yes. And so it happened. Um, I'm not really going to give too much of an introduction uh, aside from this is my story. This is what I've had happen to me. This is what I've gone through. This is how I came out the other side, and it is completely truthful and honest. This episode is pretty much unedited, so you get to hear everything. Um, but I'm quite proud of what Sydney and I created together in that hour uh, in the studio. So, just before we get to it, uh, just as trigger warning for you all, this episode talks about anxiety and panic disorder. There is... Uh, References to kind of suicidality. So, if that's something you're not really comfortable with listening to today, that's fine. Uh, you can come back whenever you're ready. Uh, but let's let's get to it. This is episode twelve featuring me. Uh, so weird. <laughs> uh, I hope you like it. Are we recording? No. <laughs> I like to have a bit of a bit of a shit talking session. bit of session. a shit talk boulder dash. Um, welcome Sydney.
1: <laughs> just have, have a, some gentle ASMR. Just have some drink.
0: Oh. Quite lots.
1: Tingly. Is this cord too short? Um, look, I'm the petite line. I know. Um there's a whole world up there I don't know about, Maddie. So, the cord's fine. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> What have we done and what have we done and seen? And seen. (laughs) And seen. Let's centre ourselves. Let's centre ourselves, Maddie, and there'll be no nonsense. No, no more nonsense. No more nonsense. For the rest of the hour. For the rest of the hour. But then we could be as nonsense of course we We can like let's just do a separate podcast of just our shit talk yeah I think that would be amazing I'd love to do a podcast just with you fuck I'd live for that shit I know we
0: would never get anything done though
1: I love it what's on their minds today what do they want to rant about we could we could rant about a lot of things you and I talk so much shit like I just there's no pause at any given moment and you're literally one of my key fucking potent friends that I can only do this with. Like, <laughs> it's just never ending. There's no script. It's we natural. don't have a script today. There's, we're just going off the cuff. No script. That's what we're doing.
0: We're natural. You're That's natural. We are. Mm, thanks. Sweet. I'm going to introduce you, Sydney, okay. now, so people are like, who is yeah. this? <laughs> people aren't like, who is this person? Who
1: is this?
0: Um, so, everybody, I decided that for the final episode of <laughs> season one of If You Don't Mind, I was going to take the back seat and... I thought it would be very cool to share my own story. I feel like it's been a bit of a cop-out that I haven't really done it properly. And so many people have been very brave um, and come on this show and and told their story. So I thought, who could I have interview me? And then I realised that one of my best friends uh, is perfection when it comes to A, talking, B, having a chat and is also just (laughs) the most... I mean, unique.
1: Put it on my CV, Maddie. <laughs> Put this on my CV. She's my reference, people. Get me employed. Basically,
0: I mean, Sydney could, could run her own podcast, and that's what I would like you to do in the thank future because so I think much. that's also your calling. Noted, Maddie, thank you. Um, but, Sydney, yes, would you like to give a little bit of a background as to who you are and how we know each other?
1: Absolutely, Maddie. Okay, Hello, everyone. Um, and my name is... I need to stop moving away from the microphone. I'm twirling in a chair, guys, for those listening. Just put your elbows... Because I've listened to, like, nearly all of your podcasts, and I listen to them on trains to different courts, and it's such a great experience for me, because I feel like you're in my head oh. while I'm journeying back and forth. But, um, sorry, what was your question? It so, was, how do we know each other? Yeah, how do we know... And who who are you, and what do you do? Okay, well, guys, um, how I know Maddie is probably one of my very fond memories um, of, you know, just young adolescence, really. So the way I met you, <laughs> I think... <laughs> what I, don't is, know. I don't know. It's, see, look, we're just laughing. You've asked me a serious question. Apologies. So that's my Apologies. fault. Apologies. That's my okay. fault. And see. <laughs> um, well... How I know Maddie is one of my most favourite fond memories because the thing is we went to an all-girls Catholic school, Mm. high school I should say. We did, And, you know, that's 7 to 12, you know, in Year 7 with my roll call group I thought it best, I'm an only child, guys, by the way, to introduce myself to every member of my grade almost, (laughs) shake their hands and say, hi, I'm Sydney, pleasure to do Year 7 with you. Uh, look, I—I I mean, I didn't choose this life; it chose me. But what I can tell you is, somehow fate collided Maddie and I together in Year Eleven. Yes, it was, it was Year late. Eleven. It was very late. You missed so each other for four years. Didn't see you to shake your hand in no. Year Seven. Don't know what happened there. I don't know. It was a big cohort, and you know, whilst I didn't have any one specific group, I was a bit of floater in high school. um... You know, I do. I do remember you, but I just remember our paths hadn't crossed yet. We're like star-crossed lovers, almost. We are. But you know, we we beat we beat the narrative where it fails. We succeeded. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember specifically. I don't know why. I think it was legal studies in year eleven, and I just I, I honestly feel like it's a scene out of like a, a rom com. <laughs> like I looked over my shoulder in legal studies. I, I think I saw you and it was just, that's it. That's going to be my fucking best friend. Like, <laughs> where the fuck have you been all my life? Since year seven, where the fuck have you been? I just don't even know. I don't even to know too. Maddie, look, it was romance. It was beautiful. And you've been in my life ever since. I don't plan to ever let you go.
0: No, and I don't plan to let you go either. Oh,
1: thank God. Oh, <laughs> it's a fucking burden off my chest. And you're a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. You're a
0: lawyer. You're a fully-fledged lawyer now. Who let that
1: happen? <laughs> Look, guys, I'm a lawyer. Don't hold it against me. Um, You're one of the good ones. I'm one of the good ones, guys, okay? You know, Um, what's what's Sailor Moon's quip? Fighting evil by moonlight, winning love by daylight? Something like that. Um, Except I'm mainly just crying in the daylight. (laughs) And and the moonlight? (laughs) I look at memes in my spare time. So, for
0: everybody studying law right now, mm, um, don't do it. it
1: I was going to say, it's a very good profession. (laughs) Look, um, I I think my favourite thing, the stereotype about a lawyer is, you know, when you go to those house parties and I hadn't yet become any particular type of lawyer. The immediate thing you got was, oh, so how do you sleep at night? (laughs) Like I've just enrolled in a uni degree. I don't I haven't you know, assigned myself to any role. Fucking hell. But in defence of criminal defence lawyers Mm. and I do work in a criminal slash civil firm, so we get the best of both worlds sort of. And you know, they're fucking in the fucking trenches out there, let me tell you. Seriously. We all we all have a preconception about criminal defence lawyers, guys, and let me tell you when you've been charged with a crime, who are you going to call? A criminal defense lawyer. <laughs> see, that was the Ghostbusters. I know. See what
0: I- <laughs> no, I got it. I got it. I saw it, and I saw it I happening. Wanted and I wanted you
1: to see it. You always get me. I love that you get me. <laughs> no one else gets me. That's like why you. you're here. That's Thank why you for I chose me.
0: you to to do this very and important thing. internally
1: screaming this very moment. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? What
0: the fuck? Um, but yeah, basically, I guess I just want you to kind of. Do what you want to do with this. It's oh, completely up to you. I've taken control of this ship, guys. You really That's have. It it's beautiful. literally, it's no longer my podcast, it's I yours. I love it. I love it. I thought, you know... Can I do an intro? You can do an intro. Okay, do you want to so go now?
1: Yeah, I'd love to go. All right, go. so you, okay. you
0: do your intro and then you can just okay. ask me the questions. Here we go. Here we go. Dun, dun,
1: dun, 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 dun. dun. Your tune. You know? dun, 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 dun. That's how it goes, right? Yeah. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sydney's podcast. Um, today on my show, we have the imitable, beautiful, fantastic, standing ovation. Guys, it's my best mate, Maddie Cherrington.
0: Woo! Thank you. Yes. Thank you.
1: Thank How you so does much? she do it? <laughs> I don't know amazing. That's the
0: best introduction anyone has ever given me ever. Maddie, thank you so much for coming today. Thank you. Um, What do you think of my studio? Uh, I, I like it. It's It's very new
1: and modern and friendly and cozy and I love it. And what I love, Maddie, is I, on behalf of all your listeners and the audience, have now trapped you <laughs> to finally... <laughs> Talk about yourself, young lady. Oh, no. That's what this is about, people. Okay. Because, you see, Maddie, okay, as a person, she's very empathetic and she's a listener. Maddie is a listener. She listens. She listens. She's like a sponge. She'll absorb other people's traumas, their journeys. She'll even go so far as to be... You know, your third extra limb, you know? I mean, how many limbs have you? Your fifth fifth fucking limb. I dropped general maths and don't hold it against me. And that's Maddie for you. But finally the time has come where we say, no, Maddie, I'm not going to tell you how my day was. You tell me how your day was and tell me how your life was, which neatly segues Maddie into my first unscripted question. (laughs) Go ahead, Maddie. Would you like to introduce yourself to your listeners? And oh, okay. Tell them. Yes. Tell them, what catalyzed this journey? In a nutshell, um, do you mean like my journey to create this podcast? I think I think a myriad
0: of both. Like, did you see yourself creating this? So I came up with this idea after. You know, uh, having a pretty spectacular breakdown when I was 22. Mm -hmm. We'll get into that. Yeah,
1: (laughs) we'll get into that. We'll get into that.
0: And basically, when I was beginning to come out the other side, um, I kind of decided that I was going to speak very openly about this with everybody because a lot of what I had been going through, I kept very private. And it was very isolating. So I thought, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to speak to anyone about this. I'll be like I, – I, I would say to someone at work, oh, yeah, I've just got to pop out the back to take my antidepressants, <laughs> stuff like that, because I thought, you know what? Fuck this. Fuck it. I want to talk about it. Fuck the facade. Exactly. And from there, when I would be very open with it, people would come up to me and be like, oh, that's actually something that happened to me too. Mm-hmm. I had the same thing happen. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, we're all just walking around with all these stories that we're keeping
1: so hidden. Drag us, Maddie. Drag <laughs> us. Basically, guys, I'm just here to say that Maddie is the truth and the calling. And we're all <laughs> fake. We're all fucking fake. <laughs> Everyone's acting like we're okay.
0: Maddie, yes. are we okay? Well, I mean, we are and we aren't. Yeah. In the sense that... I don't know. I just I just felt like there was this common theme that kept coming yeah. up. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to make a podcast about this do because, it. A, I love talking to people. I love it. B, I love podcasts. And, C, I think if you hear, you know, an interview where someone is being super honest about what they've experienced and it has some sort of, like, it resonates with you in some way, yes. that could be the catalyst in you actually going to get help. So I thought, I'm going to do this.
1: You're going to do this. And I did. And here we are. And here we are. In ep- its existence. Episode 12. Now, Maddie, one of the key thoughts running through my mind right now is the fear that we never have linear discussions. And so what I'm doing is going against my natural setting, Maddie. Okay. And that's to have a linear and chronological conversation with you. We can do it. We can. I believe in us. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take it from the top, guys, and I'm going to ask Maddie to give us a little bit of a synopsis as to what she was like as a child growing up particularly the interesting backstory, which I believe your listeners deserve to hear, which I was besotted by. When I found out this story about Maddie's family life and, you know, the amount of siblings and how that happened, I remember it blew my mind, like, as an only child sitting in legal studies when I fell in love with you, just thinking, oh, my God, I wish I was a fraternal twin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, Maddie, please yeah. tell us.
0: <laughs> Do it. Uh, look, I had the best like upbringing. My parents were dedicated 100% to all of us. My mum basically didn't work for the first 14 years of my life because she was dedicated to giving myself, so my twin sister and I, my younger sister and brother, who were also twins. That's a full house. Full house. Just as much love as she possibly could. So in that respect, like, yeah, I was... I'm probably one of the luckiest people I know in terms of that. Um, My own personality, I think, kind of, it was quite interesting in the sense that I was quite an open, like, extroverted child. I never had many issues with talking to people, adults, that kind of thing. And then when I went to primary school, it became quite apparent that I was... Not dumb, but I was dyslexic, but Mm. no one picked up on it. Mm -hmm. So I was, I don't know, I guess bullied by this teacher. Oh, God. Yeah, it was really gross. And just like knocked my confidence. And from then on, I kind of, yeah, I just didn't recover completely from that because I thought, I guess my self-worth was just, you know, really low. Shattered. Yeah, quite Mm. shattered. And so I think that's around the time that... I began to develop, I guess, anxiety quite young. Wow. I had, like, I was always quite afraid of things like if we were playing in, like, the TV room, for example, TV room. The room with the TV.
1: We've all got a TV room. <laughs> TV
0: room. Love it. And we were playing too close to the TV, I would get these, like, very intrusive images of, like, one of my siblings like accidentally smashing their head into the TV oh, and, wow. and, and dying. Oh, my goodness. So I was like, I was just very aware mm. that things could go wrong, I guess. Even at an early age? Even at an early age. And I think I think that's not necessarily to do with my upbringing, but it's just who I am personally, is that I think, without big noting myself, I've got quite a big imagination and I could just... What do un- you mean? <laughs>
1: not like you at all. She's <laughs> lying. <everyone.
0: laughs> I've got a very, you know, interesting imagination. So I could just come up I could just come up with like colourful. anything. It's very colorful. Colorful it. ima- um, imagination. It's fun. Exactly. And I could just come up with Your
1: mind's always like, "Hey, what about this lucky dip What today? about this? You this know? could happen. This could happen. And I
0: think the <laughs> problem is it obviously went unchecked because i didn't talk about it
1: no like there was there was no what do you think the reason for that was
0: i don't know i just think i i think i thought i was strange or i was a very dramatic kid as well like i was i would say like i would just kind of make a big deal about things because i didn't i wasn't very good at regulating my emotions when i was younger
1: was that reinforced by your peers and family at the
0: time yeah i think they were just like you're being dramatic and mm-hmm. then i was like okay yes that's what i am mm-hmm. and then The times that I wasn't being dramatic and I was actually, you know, worried or, or, you know, serious, I think it was probably just taken as you're being dramatic again. Which, you know, looking back is no one's fault at all. It was just me being myself, but no one picking up on the fact that I was very nervous.
1: (laughs) We have a nervous child here,
0: guys. (laughs) About everything. But I was also very extroverted, so it didn't didn't really make sense because I had no issue making friends and having conversations and voicing my opinions and things like
1: that. All those things you struggle with, hands down. They're (laughs) just not natural to you whatsoever, Mads. (laughs) And so that is such an interesting background with the – you know, the context of being a nervous child yeah. and suffering from dyslexia. And I remember you telling me when we were in high school that your mum was on that. Oh, yeah Like, yes. she was on it. Yes. The moment she caught wind, like, that just, you know, sort of emphasises the supportiveness. Oh, my mum was incredible. Like, when they found out
0: that this teacher was effectively bullying me, they took us, like, my parents took us out of school.
1: Did, what, did they, they make, make a, like, a complaint? Like, what happened? Yeah, like, Do I don't know know? really
0: remember. <clears throat> I think I've kind of...
1: Repressed. Repressed a lot of it. Yeah, but,
0: but basically this teacher would... Um, I, one one, one like, thing that happened was she, she got me up in front of the class and she said, your sister is, is really smart. Um, that's why she's on the, that table number one or whatever, like top table. You look, at, you look at your work. You're not as smart as your sister. This is why you're on the bottom table.
1: No. And I was like, oh. What's her email? I just <laughs> want to talk. Someone give me this woman's number. She was awful. I just want to talk.
0: So awful. And when that all came out, because um, I was having trouble reading and it was, and just no one had picked up on the fact that it was, it was dyslexia. So when that came out, my mum was like, no, nah. got us into like a good, a, like a better primary school where there was no bullying from teachers.
1: Yeah. Let's just get her out of that toxic environment, you know, somewhat elit- elitist. Yeah. You it, know? Was, it
0: was so strange. But it's yeah, like, mum was...
1: Like she on was on it. As I said, she's like the My Mum is the fear the fiercest mother. She is the fiercest mother I know, and her you know, in real sense, she is a genie. Yeah. You know? <laughs> genie is a genie. How many times <laughs> is that brought up? Fire in the booth. <laughs> I love you. But on that note, my dear Maddie, I in 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 trusting our linear progression of this conversation mm. when you know, your early childhood was sort of developing, and then you you sort of entered and hit your teen years. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> we're going there, folks. <laughs> you best believe it. I mean, what would be your key memories? I'd say of when you sort of realized, oh, this this isn't a nervous personality. I, mm. I think something's I think something's wrong. Or?
0: Yeah, I think to be honest, and I think you've probably you would have experienced the same thing. The oh. first um, kind of concept of mentalness that a lot of us are exposed to is the idea of depression, right? Yes. So we see it in movies and TV shows and things like that. We see it portrayed in all these different ways. It's quite romanticized at times as so well. So romanticized. So romanticized. And so I remember looking at that and Googling it and being like, okay, I don't have depression, but I definitely don't feel like the way that I am thinking is I don't want to say normal, but healthy. Mm. So for me, there was a lot of... Um, obsessive thinking yeah. and that is like I would lie awake at night and, and I would list all of the things that I had done that day that were embarrassing oh, and then I would think about them and I would think about them and I would think about them and then I would go back to my past and think about So I, had, I basically had a list of my top ten. Oh, your brain was crucifying <laughs> you each it was, night. It was fucked. I had a list of the top ten most embarrassing slash awful things that I had felt that I had done in my life. And every night I would refresh this list it's and remind myself. Yeah. Yep. Colourful imagination. Exactly. And I would just beat myself up every night yeah. about all these things that I'd done. And then, you know, I would add to the list <laughs> quite regularly because I would do something else because I was a teenager and we do stupid embarrassing shit. Um but I was just I was just so terrified, I think when I was, say, 13 or 14, about people really knowing who I was. Mm. So I just kind of tried my best to construct a version of myself that was uh, not in your face, Mm. not too controversial, very measured, very controlled, that I could control.
1: Switzerland, Maddie. Yeah,
0: Yeah. exactly. So that no one could ever... Say a bad word. Say a bad word, Mm. exactly. I Mm. didn't... I I, I craved so much to be like, like most people Mm. do, Um. And I think like most children, sorry, not most children, like most teenagers, I didn't like my body. I didn't enjoy the way I looked. When I was younger, I was bigger than my siblings. Mm. And even though in high school I lost all that weight and I was quite skinny, I still mm. kind of looked at myself like, Bleh. But, yeah, I was just – it was just constant rum- rumination about anything I'd done, anything that I might do. The, the other part was obviously just worrying about things that could happen with my health yeah. so this was
1: this it, is key yeah this
0: is a, key thing this is a big into. thing for me in the mm. sense that uh, when I was quite young I, I got um recurring UTIs which are like urinary tract mm. infections mm. and like I would just go to the doctor and they would give me medicine and mm. blah 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 and I remember the first time I realized that when you get sick there is a possibility you could die right? I was reading this article Google says so, anyway. <laughs> Exactly Facts. I was reading this article about this model or something who had contracted a UTI and the infection had gone to the rest of her body and she'd like lost all her limbs and then she died, oh, right? Geez. And I, at that time, had one as well and I was just like two and two together? Yeah, I was literally like oh okay, so this is something that could happen because of this and that just unlocked Aww. this like pandora's box of there is just so many possible
1: ways your body can kill you <laughs> thus ensued the ben-hur adventure oh my movie God. length cinematic journey Ridiculous. that was ridiculous maddie battling her inner self
0: yeah and i didn't i didn't know what that was hmm
1: What year was this in? This was like when when I was like,
0: this was like when I was like, well, so I was getting them regularly when I was like in year seven and eight. And then I think when I was in year nine, this kind of happened. And then, yeah, from then on, I just kind of, whenever I started to get sick, but I'd read about something horrible happening to another person, my automatic response was that will then happen to me. And I just couldn't. I couldn't – I don't know how to explain it, but I, I, I couldn't justify in my mind or I couldn't reckon in my mind that this was actually not a possibility no or not, not probable. No way. Yeah. But to me it was just so – You're arguing with yourself. That's certain. already – Yeah. That's already – Exactly. And I – I just – Like, I I think I went to the school counsellor a few times to talk about my anxiety. How was that? I mean, it was kind of like, I remember being told, like, you've just got to kind of fake it till you make it kind of thing. Like, you've just got to pretend you're fine. Also
1: said in the law, by the way. Really?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I hated that term. I hate it
1: too. Fake it till you make it. You know what? That's what contributes to this culture of... Acting like everything's fine, Mm. you know. We're all on eggshells around each other. Oh, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? You know. And whilst, you know, we're not about sort of opening the floodgates to the nearest stranger Mm. that you're seated next to on a train, although, you know, I did tell Susan a lot about what (laughs) I've been through, um... It's just about breaking down the fucking facade. And yeah. that's what you've done so excellently with this podcast, Maddie, because I, mean, I don't want us to get off track, but like just even creating this and providing a platform for these other amazing people to come on, share their lived experiences, you're smashing the facade in a very real way. Like There's fragments on the floor of where... We've all just sort of created this kaleidoscope of lies that we tell ourselves that everything's going to be fine. But, no, we need to address this shit, Mm. and you're fucking doing that. Mm. I love you. I love you, too. I can't take compliments I know. Sorry, guys. I'm just fangirling over my bestie. (laughs) She looks very red at the moment. (laughs) Backtrack, backtrack.
0: Anyway, moving on. But, yeah, that was... That was, I think that was the beginning of it. It's hard to pinpoint an exact time. But But I
1: suppose, oh, I'm just raising. I suppose, like, my question steering from that is up until this point in high school, and let's even push it up to year 12 with the HSE, did anyone say the term anxious to you? See, no, it Mm. was myself who,
0: so as I mentioned before, I looked up depression and I was like, that's, I don't have that. Yeah. And then I think I went on to like Beyond Blue or something Mm, like that. mm. And I read this thing, like an article on generalized anxiety disorder. Yeah. I read the list and I was like, oh, my God, that's what it is. Resonated with you. That's what I have Mm -hmm. because for the longest time I thought I was just weak and like pathetic and I just I I had some sort of like inability to – Back in that
1: classroom with that –
0: horrible teacher exactly mm. like I just had such a poor um I just hated I didn't like myself so so intensely mm. that I just thought that there was something fundamentally wrong with how ha- the way I thought and the way I was but when I read that article I was like oh, okay so this could be this could be something that I have this could be something that I can fix or that I can address yeah. but it wasn't it was so long after reading that article that I ever began to even address it.
1: Oh, we know.
0: Like I didn't – there was – like there was – I talked about mm. it with like my partner and my, and a few of my family members, but I did not properly address it for a very long time after that.
1: And I know like remembering our time at school and reaching year 12, you were given the very honourable, prestigious <laughs> position, guys. Maddie was our school captain. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, I was.
1: I I had to mention it. It's It has to be mentioned because the thing is, knowing how extroverted and how much you love listening to people and helping people and being empathetic and being then pushed into that role, you know, did you ever at times throughout the HSC sort of feel the anxiety began to really take its head in those key moments? Because mm. it's, you know... Whilst it is at school, and you know it's it's a it's we haven't entered the real world, so to speak. I think I think it's really important to address this because when you're in your you know young young adolescent period, mm. it's shaping. I, I suppose the formation of who you would ideally like to be or what's to happen after, if that makes sense.
0: No, 100%. Mm. No, I, to, to be perfectly honest, like when I, because obviously, like I went for that role and that kind of thing, like I, I was love like, it. I wanted to be school captain. Of course. And as soon as I got that, fucking lit school captain. Thank you. <laughs> as soon as I got it, I regretted it because the amount of pressure I put on myself to be liked and to do a good job, mm. on top of also trying to perform very well in high school, like in the HSE. Oh, God. It was it's
1: a perfect combination, folks. It, it ruined
0: me. Like I, I, I would go home pretty much every day that year. And just cry because I was just oh, like, exhausting. I was so I was trying so hard to be all these things and mm-hmm. to also obviously deal with this this I guess illness that was just coming to the forefront of things that wasn't being addressed. Yeah. Plus, you know, being seventeen is the worst time in the oh, world for it's everybody. Terrible. That's the thing. A lot of this is obviously mixed up in angst as well, which yeah, we all yeah. experience. But I think if you were going home every night and you just hating yourself. And replaying every single moment in that day.
1: It's not your routine teenage angst. No, it's not. Like it was just, it was
0: just hell. And I just, I thought so often about like just quitting and Mm. and leaving school because. It was it was just it was just such a sad time. Like the only good thing that came from that year was when I obviously met my partner that year.
1: That incredible that I'm with now. Please please go into that. (laughs) How did you meet your boyfriend Lennon, who is such an integral part of this story? He yes he's he's amazing. I met him
0: at some leadership like. Wasn't George Pell at
1: the. the, I'm sorry, folks. Sorry to steer from the. He could have been. I remember you telling me a story (laughs) that you and Lennon attended this leadership camp and you sat in a room, and I think George, I think Cardinal, was he Cardinal at the time? I don't know. I have no idea. A lot of that kind of melt. There was just so many religious leadership things. He stood there in front of everyone and looked down. And you told me he said, "How wonderful to see all these blue eyes." Oh yes, <laughs> I remember that. Why did he settle down,
0: Hitler? I don't even remember the context of that, but I do remember. Telling I do you remember that. you
1: telling me this. And you have brown eyes as well, so I just can't mm. even imagine. Your reaction to this. I, I actually I do remember you telling me that. I have no idea. I can't I remember the context. I also remember, Maddie, you being very excited about Lennon. <laughs> I was so excited. You were so excited. Maddie would come into the library, you know, our senior, <laughs> senior school sesh in the library. No drugs were involved. We were on the computer. And <laughs> I fucking should have been involved. No. <laughs> we would be on the computer and, and Maddie would gush to me about this guy that she met. And show me some cute texts, some back and forth texts. Sorry, Lennon, your privacy is invaded. She'd show me some adorable texts and I'd be like, who is this guy? He's funny. I like him. And she was just like, yeah, you know, we're chatting, we're chatting. I really like him. How many fucking years has it been since then? It's it's 10 years next year. Did you hear that, folks? 10 fucking years. Mm. She has gone beyond the length of the Harry Potter series. And that and to me is the hallmark of any fundamental relationship. Preach. You did mm-hmm. it, Maddie. Mm-hmm. You went past the seven year itch. Mm-hmm. You guys have, you guys, in my mind's eye, when I think of relationships, long term relationships, because being in school and having, you know, your close knit friends from school, a lot of you guys sort of got into those long term relationships. So, like your sister, for instance, she's now married mm. to our beautiful Emir, Persian Prince, hashtag full life. But when you guys got together and watching you both grow over time and what you've been through, Maddie, hands down, I don't think I've seen such resilience or tenacity or the willingness to work, you know, and work for each other and grow together than I have with your relationship with Lennon.
0: I love that you think that. It's because amazing. Because I feel that way too. I think I think obviously when you meet when you're very young, you're yeah. still maturing and you're still growing. And we've kind of grown up together in a way, um, but he—he he was just the first person that I was completely 100% honest with. Because, for a while I kept up the facade of I'm fucking cool. I'm the cool girl. I'm a cool girl. I don't care what you do. That's you can hang
1: out with your ex
0: girlfriend, whatever. <laughs> you can hang out with the boys. I'm fine every weekend. It's I'm fine. fine.
1: <laughs> you do whatever you want. It's fine. <laughs> no, Rita, but it was not fine. It was not fine. <laughs>
0: um, and I just remember one night. I was so upset for some I don't even remember. But I called him and I was like, you know what? No, fuck this. I'm I'm actually like I ha I have all these things in my head and I've not been able to tell anyone and I need to tell them to you because I'm dying here. Like I can't I can't go on like this. This is ridiculous. Wow. And then he was like, Oh, okay <laughs> A light bulb went off in his head. I see. And from then on it was great because I did not have to like put up the facade anymore like obviously you know I told him more and more as time went on but that moment I think that's probably the first step on my recovery journey in a way because I was able to share this with someone for the first time a whole like completely and 100% open with it so it's beautiful and he's the best like it's it's I think been quite hard on him as well because he's a fixer Mm. so he likes to come in and be like okay this is the solution um (laughs) you just do this 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 and you'll be fine and i'm like "Mm, that's
1: not how it works oh i i could honestly we need a separate podcast for your relationship entirely like it's (laughs) just it's just i love it i can't because that's one of the key things as well because i know that as you've been growing up together and you've sort of had these lived experiences with your generalized anxiety disorder and coming to terms of that and you know the medication and the journey that has stemmed from a specific incident, which Mm. we will also talk about. Mm. It's just incredible because you've had this these two personalities that met at a young age to not sort of stay in that high school sweetheart trope. You guys have really just been like, Yep, I'm in it for life. Mm. And I've got you.
0: But also like life is hard. Yeah. And it's difficult and messy and well, relationships are hard work. Yes. If anyone else tells you that they're not, they're an idiot and they're a liar.
1: Relationships are so easy. I never fight with my partner. <laughs> that sounds really healthy, Susan. <laughs> I love how I keep mentioning Susan know, throughout this one Who is Susan? <laughs> Susan. <laughs> do you have any friends called Susan? No, do you? Fuck thank God. Oh, no. no I don't think so. Sorry Susan. Sorry.
0: Um but yeah like he what
1: was my point? <laughs> This is so stock standard us. I don't know. Just but, he's just great. He's great. Lennon's fucking great, guys. Right. And that's the summary. Should we um should and we Sorry now, you go. Maddie? <laughs> na- Maddie's trying to overtake my segway. <laughs> Maddie, I'm the fucking owner of this podcast today. What the fuck are you doing? I'm sorry. Guys, Maddie's trying to overtake my podcast. Sorry, my Aries energy is not taking I'm it. I'm taking it back All right. again. Beautiful. Now, Maddie, as I was saying, um I'd like to now discuss sort of a key event, yes, in our teenage times, or oh, were we early twenties?
0: We were twenty. It was two days before my twentieth, twenty-second birth, twenty-second oh,
1: birthday. Poetic justice, right there. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. there was a specific event, yes. that I recall and you recall, and together we both recall as one. <laughs> and I'd like you to tell your listeners about what this event was, because I'm not sure if. A lot of people know. I, mm. I know that your close circle mm. are aware of what sort of instigated and sparked mm. the following years of what you had to go Self-discovery. through. Self-discovery. Self-discovery, we'll call it. Eat, pray, love. And I'd like you to tell us about that, Maddie.
0: I will. I'll be very open and honest about it because it has shaped me and uh, and who I am today. so I guess so how old was I? I was 21 when I had finished university and I was working like a shitty job at Woolworths or something. I was working crazy hours because I didn't really wanna, I didn't really know what I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life so I was like I'll just work. I'll just work as a, a checkout chick and then I became a supervisor and a 2IC and I was working crazy hours and I was not looking after myself. And at this point. In retail? Unheard of. <laughs> I know. What do you think? Fuck. And I was, um, I was dealing with my anxiety at that time by every time there was a social event, just getting too drunk to function and. <laughs> social
1: lubricant. Social
0: lubricant. And Love just, it. Exactly. And just pretending like I was fine. And I basically had just created a life where as long as I stayed in these particular areas, I was safe. And secure. I didn't do anything out of my comfort zone. Don't you dare! No, don't exactly. I would see my boyfriend. I would see my friends. I would go to work. That was it. I Routine. had exactly. I had yeah. all these things I wanted to do, but I didn't do them because I was terrified. Yeah. And yeah, basically, the anxiety was getting worse and worse. And worse. Um, I went to a festival with yourself and a few friends, and. A few months prior, I, had you know, tried ecstasy for the first time and I had enjoyed it and I liked it. And I always thought I would never do drugs because I was so anxious about putting anything into my body. What is That was this? foreign. Mm. Like Panadol was hard for me. So I never thought I would ever take drugs personally, but I did. And it's a massive leap, folks, Panadol to MDMA. I just went fucking oath. Yeah. I yeah. didn't, I don't know. It was looking back on it. I, I yeah. Who knows? But I went to this festival
1: with you guys and we, we were there and I and I took some pills or whatever. I feel like you're on the witness stand right now and I'm standing there and I'm like, no. <laughs> no, do not. Don't
0: say it. But yes, do. But yes. So I took some pills and I probably took a bit too much because they were very slow to to react. And so I thought oh, they weren't
1: working, so I just kept taking more and more. Um, and then... MDMA, by the way. So when you say more and more, like you know just, you yeah you was it because you had felt like it hadn't it had not hit me hadn't, hadn't hit me I so I was like this. I'll just keep taking more mm-hmm.
0: cuz mm-hmm. that's not that's not what you do <laughs> anyway
1: so all of
0: a sudden i felt them come into full effect however it wasn't like the trips i had felt rec- like previously the highs i'd felt previously it was this intense body reaction that i i struggled to explain but it felt like i had lost control of my limbs and my body it felt like someone was pushing me backwards and like the my eyes were rolling back into like into the back of my head and in that moment i was like oh okay so this is how i die oh. my parents are going to be so disappointed in me that i went to a music festival i didn't test my drugs and now i'm dead and I remember thinking, like, fuck, how stupid am I that I have done this to myself, that I've basically killed myself this way. Um, luckily, that didn't happen. I was just having a really bad trip, right? Um, and I remember, like, grabbing your hand. Oh, like, I remember I that. I couldn't let go of your hand. I remember that. I was terrified. And luckily, this only lasted, like, two hours, say. But unfortunately, what I didn't know when that high was—you know, when when I was leaving that trip or that trip was ending—what that was going to unlock within me. Mm.
1: Um, It's like a level in a game. Yeah, you have unlocked everything Panic disorder <laughs> generalized anxiety what's behind door number seven uh, God. Open it up, Maddie.
0: and i just yeah I, I went home that night my partner picked me up and i went to sleep and then i was never the same again um i that's a really profound summary of what happened yeah, yeah it
1: really is yeah what it, happened. it
0: changed my life completely um two days later i woke up and I, and I kind of felt weird for the next two days. I was just kind of hanging out at home, feeling like I wasn't quite there. And then on the third day I woke up and my heart beat so, so fast mm-hmm. that I thought I was having a heart attack. And I called the ambulance and I told my parents what I'd done and what I'd taken and they were so angry and I was so ashamed. And I thought basically – which doesn't make any medical sense by the way that somehow I was the having a reaction yeah hand. that I was still having a reaction to these drugs but three days later when in actual fact I was having a panic attack but I'd never had a physical panic attack before Wow so I went to the hospital they gave me some Valium they told me to go home I'd be fine in a few days um I would be back at work in a week and oh. I didn't work and I and I didn't go back to work Narrator. for
1: a very long time. There we go. <laughs> Narrator. But she did not resume employment. No. In fact had to face the demons. It was it was terrifying. I it was. I um I, I remember yeah. you texting me, Maddie, when all of this, mm. you know, sort of came to blows. And I remember you sort of, you know, apart from the incident itself and how we moved on from that. And the night after I remember you sort of texted me and you were saying how, you know, your heart was beating really fast and you were convinced that it was somehow still inside you. And this was even perhaps after a week Mm. later. Mm -hmm. And you were just terrified it was still in there. Yeah. And the haunting sort of, you know, truth uh, that you felt that this was going to just stay with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. I remember you explained that to me and I was like, holy shit, I'm never doing drugs. (laughs)
0: I don't sell it. I (laughs) I would just also like to make a very
1: uh, disclaimer. (laughs) I'm not against drugs, but I've seen some fucked up shit. (laughs) I'm
0: I'm actually very like I'm I'm pro pill testing. I'm pro like fuck you Gladys. Do whatever you want to do as long as you do it safely. I'm a big proponent of. But. Literally, like, I'm very pro drug. I, yeah. I have no issue with anyone ever, ever taking anything. It's just, it's an incredible something... stance
1: to have because it would be easy to sort of paint that oh. opinion with your own subjective experience. For I the first like. few months, I was
0: like, Mm-mm. drugs are evil. Mm-hmm. Do not touch them. And then I obviously realized, like, that's not, it's not that simple. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, after that, mm-hmm. I then entered this, I would say, constant panic like every day i would wake so i'd wake up in a panic i'd have multiple panic attacks throughout the day um during this time i'd convinced myself that i had damaged my heart so i had regularly saw cardiologists who would be like you're fine but i would be like but i would say them well, i can i can feel my heart racing and they're like cuz you're in a constant state of panic but to me i was like no no mm. i'm sick Yeah, I'd have panic attacks throughout the day. I would wake up having panic attacks. I would literally just sit there on my couch just trying to feel normal. Um, I I wasn't working. I didn't see my friends. I didn't go out. How long did this last for?
1: I don't know. I think – I think um – because knowing your narrative, yeah. I just remember that
0: that whole year being very it was, integral. The first three months mm. were constant panic. They didn't it didn't really change. I couldn't I couldn't be in a car, like it felt like someone I was being I don't know, I, I like I couldn't sit there and and be in a car as as it was driven because it felt like I was going to pass out or have a panic attack. Mm-hmm. I would make it to Wollongong if Lennon – because Lennon was living in Wollongong at the time, I would be able to go there if he could pick me up. Mm-hmm. But I didn't catch any public transport. My mum had to be with me at all times. I couldn't be alone in the house because I thought I would die. I, I was worried I would die
1: by myself. Um, I remember you texted me and you had said – it was a very succinct text, but you basically explained, I can't walk down the street from my house – Without bursting into tears, yeah, having a panic attack, it was fucked.
0: Like, and that's the thing. It, it's quite interesting because, on one hand, I was doing everything I could to present prevent myself from dying because I was in constant fear I was going to die, but I was so exhausted. I also wanted to die because I thought this is not a this life. This can't
1: be my life.
0: <laughs> this can't be my life. Like I've, and I felt so much guilt because I, th- I would think of my life in terms of before drugs. Like before the drugs and after the drugs,
1: wow!
0: Like BD and AD,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, biblical
0: terms, folks. Literally, that's how I thought, and I was just like,
1: "And I'm... Maddie resurrected." I did eventually on the seventh day,
0: um, but I, yeah, it was it was terrible. And I mean, I did eventually start to, to seek help, and and things did just did get better eventually, but I. Um, it took me a long time. I was I was told by my psychologist. I the the person so the person who was kind of instrumental in getting me better was my my first proper psychologist. Let's call him. I don't know, Bobby. Bobby, and he explained everything that was happening to me.
1: How did you even muster up the courage, Maddie? I was just I I got to so, speak to someone.
0: I got so fed up like i was like i have to do something otherwise i will i'm going to die like i i was like if i keep doing if i keep you know going this way i'm going to get to such a low point because when you are anxious 24/7 you kind of become depressed as as a kind of afterthought because yeah. you're there all the time and i thought it's a I, combo deal yeah and i thought if i don't get help like i'll i eventually will die so i thought i'm going to do that and start talking to him must have been terrifying. It was very terrifying. I mean, I don't have a, tr- I don't have any issues talking to people, but at the same time, like just getting there was
1: terrifying, and it's a different conversation you are having. As yeah, well.
0: and look, I could, I could speak to you for hours about all the different like things that I was struggling with at that time in terms of like I was convinced my heart was failing. I was constantly convinced um, that my there was there was also an infection in my heart. I was convinced I had cancer and a brain tumour and
1: that I had blood clots in my legs. Um, Did it, this bleed into your relationships and your family life? Yeah. they. I mean, they got
0: very frustrated because I, I just didn't leave the house and they didn't understand why I was so terrified. And I, I didn't do a very good job of explaining it. Mm. And I was just, I just didn't, I was so upset. And when you're very upset, like when you're very depressed and you're unwell. You get very kind of um, I don't want to say self-absorbed, but you can only kind of see things from your own perspective yeah. because it's so it's it, it's you know so it's such it's a the all-encompassing yeah. perspective. <laughs> it, it's it's all-encompassing, right? So you just that's all you see. Mm. So it was very we had we had quite a few arguments, I think. Yeah, which was no one's fault. It yeah. was just it was just the way it
1: was. Yeah, of course. Um, and how did how did Lenin? sort of deal with the aftermath. Yeah. BC Maddie. BC. BD. AD. Oh, AD? Oh. <laughs> AD. We are, like, shaming... I'm confused. Mr. Osborne
0: right it's now. so bad. Sorry, Mr. I know. Osborne. Um, he, yeah, he struggled with it a lot because he couldn't do anything to fix and it. And he's a fixer. He's a fixer, How so the fuck did that work out? It was, it was hard. Like, I, to be honest, like, our relationship nearly ended because it was just so, it was so hard. It was so, so hard. Um... But one of the things that really opened my eyes to how bad it had gotten was I got to the point where I couldn't swallow food without thinking that I was going to choke on it. So oh my I would goodness. eat my f- I would chew my food, swallow it, and then regurgitate it oh my into God. my mouth mm. because I thought you I choke? was going to choke on it and mm. die. The other one was I then also had issues with drinking water because I thought if I didn't – so I would literally – I had to stand there and focus on the way I was drinking water (laughs) in case something went down the wrong way because I was convinced if that happened, I would then go to bed, the water would somehow – I don't know, something would happen in my lungs and I would, like, drown.
1: See, your anxiety was really intent on starving and dehydrating me. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but that's that's, that's what, how that's the reality. Yeah, I was like, I can't just physically live like this. This is wow. fucked. Yeah, and that's what allowed Pushed me to, you to see the psychologist. Yeah, and 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 also go on antidepressants.
1: Mm, and that would have been a huge decision.
0: It was terrifying Fuck. because when you're someone who thinks you're going to die all the time why would you put something in your system, into your oh body, problem. that could also potentially harm you?
1: Oh, my goodness. There was
0: just no reason for me to do that.
1: To take a lot of swaying for you to sort of make that decision. Oh, yeah, I had arguments with so many people and it was it was just... I'm just picturing Maddie with her, with her, <laughs> with her argumentative hat on, just like... Well, no, hang on. Yes. The side effects clearly say... That I could die. That I could die. So why the fuck would I put why that in Why am I body? taking it? Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: And when I realized that I was no no longer able to eat and drink regularly <laughs> I was like okay yeah mm-kay. I'll do something about Maybe it I need to do something here and like a hundred percent antidepressants saved my life hundred percent hundred percent amazing and when I started to take them how's the adjustment it was shitty I like I was shitty. so tired mm. and so sick um <clears throat> I put on a lot of weight quite rapidly. I was quite thin um, before I got sick and I put on, I think, like 25 kilos in the space of like two months, which is a lot of weight to put on very rapidly. Um, We can come back to that. Mm -hmm. Um, Circle our way back. (laughs) Circle our way back. But, um, yeah, having said that, though, once I started taking the antidepressants and going to therapy, I started to get better. And it was incredible because a shift in the, yeah, I had a complete shift. I was like, I remember one day getting out of bed and I went for a walk in the park and I didn't have this feeling of like dread and I didn't have this, you know, feeling of like my chest being too tight. And I thought, okay, there's a chance that I might be able to have a normal life. Like I was like, okay. Okay. This is a thing that I could do, and I slowly started to do stuff like, my mum and I went on a bus together. That's we went beautiful. to the shopping centre, and oh. I and I practiced going on buses by myself. Stuff that I had done without Fuck. it, even a it's, thought. It's
1: so easy to take what you're saying for granted. You take as an able-bodied person. so
0: much for granted yeah. when you're well, and that's yeah. the thing that I I still give thanks for every day. It's like, like hay fever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Fuck! Where are those days I could breathe <laughs> through my fucking nose? Oh, one day, circling back. I know. <laughs> but you yeah. made such strides, Maddie, and mm. it was how—like, were your parents seeing it? Like, did, they were, were your friends. Seeing they were it? so like,
0: happy. Like, I think everybody. Like, I still remember. Uh, um, I called. I called my sister. I called Grace for some reason, and she was like, "Where are you?" And I was like, oh, "I'm at a shopping center." And she's like, "By yourself?" <laughs> and I was like. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, actually, and she's like, like, I am. Oh, (laughs) Oh, I love Grace. Great, and I was like, "Mm. Mm. I don't know how I'm doing this, but uh, I'm here. That's such a key conversation. It was terrifying. Yeah, very terrifying. But I was like, oh yeah, and I it was. And look, I'm kind of giving the very kind of um, brief explanation, but I was so amazed at how quickly after starting the antidepressants that I was able to go back. to
1: normal life. To normal, normal life. and
0: unquote. Um, but yeah, that was basically the, the hardest year of my life, but it created this path for me that I never thought I would go on. It inspired me to study public health. It, in, it inspired me to start this podcast, to kind of dedicate my life to telling stories and to, you know, Shining light on the experiences of people that might
1: not necessarily be heard otherwise. Absolutely, um, Fuck, I just want to stand up in the <laughs> studio right now, just applaud Maddie. <laughs> it's fucking, oh, Nah-oh. fucking beautiful. Um, but yeah, it's
0: it's been a journey. It's been a journey, and look, don't get me wrong, it wasn't just like, and then I'm okay, and then she's okay. Like she had some drugs, <laughs> good ones, yeah, good ones. But I've had, I, I had, a, like, I, I did go off medication a few years ago, and I kind of. Um, got sick again for a little bit but since then I've I've continued on medication and I haven't got to a point yet where I can go off this Mm. medication Mm. but hopefully I I get Mm. to one day Um, but yeah I it's it's just so funny like I still remember being so sick and thinking that it would never get better and then I and then it did and I'm not saying that it's that like it's going to be like that for Mm. everyone Mm but I was 100% convinced that it wouldn't,
1: and it, and it did. That's amazing. I know. And so, Maddie, with that being said, um, I suppose for your listeners who are listening, wow, that was fucking profound. <laughs> God, you're a jackass Sydney. Anyway, <laughs> No, I'm kidding, guys. My self-talk is wonderful. It is. But, Maddie, circling mm. back, what were the types – of medication that you sort of had to I mean was it a one is it it's not a one size fits all is it no I mean like I've to try
0: been on a few so when I first got sick I tried like stuff like thallium and um, beta blockers and things like that to to slow my heart rate and Mm. to kind of calm me down but for me antidepressants have always been the most effective Um, I have been on quite a few and I think the the kind of misconception with people is that yeah they all kind of work the same when they don't like yes they have very similar kind of components and things like that but what works for me it might be shit for you and what's shit for you might be great for me to be honest the best drug I ever was on was this thing called paroxetine which just like stopped the obsessive thinking Mm. um for me yeah I I feel like I should also say a part of part of this uh not I I don't like to say diagnosis but a lot of what my psychologist and I have discussed is this uh kind of features of OCD just because I do have this ability to obsess and obsess and and I compulsively keep check of so I I, I basically went through this process where um about 15 times a day I would check my heart rate Mm to make sure that it wasn't high because if it was high it could mean i had a blood clot or my heart infection yeah so Um, this was just stuff like that i was doing pretty regularly and Mm. paroxetine stopped all that the only problem is it causes rapid weight gain and so Mm -hmm. my doctor was like okay i'm gonna chill it with this (laughs) one chill (laughs) chill it chill um but now i'm on lexpro which is it doesn't work as well but it's still pretty effective Mm. um uh the weight gain has still continued and that's just a thing that a lot of people experience and that's the shittiest – for me it's been the shittiest part of the whole process in terms of treatment is that although my mental health is so much better, my self-esteem took such a beating because when your body rapidly changes, it's quite confronting and harmful, I think, to experience and because – I am bigger now. I still haven't got used to the fact that my body is different, and it's not as socially acceptable, and that kind of thing. And because I drew,
1: I drew so much self worth from being thin, um, and that's so profound of you to say. Because it's it's almost like, do you feel like you're looking back at a ghost version of yourself? Yeah, I don't recognize from the other that end person of the tunnel. exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's
0: it's it's so hard because I want to be body positive and yeah. I want to be this big uh, advocate for self-love and that kind of thing, but it's so hard when your body changes rapidly
1: yeah. um, and you don't have control over it. Yeah. It's very jarring. And you, you as well, Maddie, you know, I suppose in in recognising this, you're acknowledging perhaps any privilege that was afforded to you when you were thin. A hundred percent. To now sort of facing the parameters of your life yeah. and society. Mm. In the body that you're living within now,
0: yeah, and like, look, I am—I I would say I'm plus size, but I'm not like, you know, I, I wouldn't say I—I have the same experiences as kind of, you know, bigger women and things like that. So I'm still—I still have much more privilege than other women. Yes. Um, but when I was thin, definitely, I—I I just didn't realize how easy it was for me. Just like I am someone who likes to dress really fun, and like yeah. I have a very kind of. Um, unique sense of style and the the most annoying thing is when I can't find stuff in my size that I want to buy so I can express myself just stuff like that but yeah it's it's also just shitty because people make judgments and they assume that they know what's happening with you and they assume that they you think I guess they think that you can change things much more easier than you actually can and I guess I like to say to those people shut the fuck up Shut the fuck up. Just, just don't like. Do you know what I mean? Like, just don't comment on other people's bodies.
1: Don't it's just so fucking, fucking talk about it. Twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. It's so Daily Mail. So Daily Mail.
0: <laughs> fuck you guys. You did write
1: an amazing article uh, just recently, Maddie, and I'd like to read the title out. Not all bodies are treated equal, but they should be. <laughs> fucking mic drop.
0: And they should be one hundred percent. And look, I am still. Um, I still have to regularly – I, I make judgments about people's bodies and what they look like, and I read this really interesting quote. It doesn't really say um, – your first thought, you know – I'll explain that again. What you think first is what society has, told you. has taught you to think. Your second thought is what – is who you your really values. are. Your values, yeah. yeah. I, I love that quote. So that's what yeah. I try to do. I'm like, no, that's bad. They're just living their best fuck life. Fuck you, intrusive thought. This yeah. is wrong. Shut the fuck up. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I mean, I would love to do a podcast eventually on like kind of
0: body positivity Absolutely. and that kind of thing. But
1: um, I wouldn't even say they're mutually exclusive. I mean, it all comes together, doesn't it? It's all it's a holistic just... thing. It's just about like... God, we could talk for hours.
0: Yeah, it's it's it all comes down to like
1: having self-worth. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's Do all you feel connected. from, you know... Day one, Maddie, and we'll say day one, Maddie, you know, from your early ages mm. of being in that TV room, you know, and being the nervous Nelly that they, they thought you to be to today and overcoming all those tribulations that you've faced. How do you feel about your future? How do you feel about the woman you are today?
0: I, I really like who I've become because I think... Not that I didn't care about people beforehand, because I've always been. Quiet. I feel
1: like you fucking dropped the weight of people's expectations. I'm sorry. Well, fucking want to talk about weight? You fucking dropped that shit pronto. I feel like you no longer are living to please people. No, I don't think That's that I huge. am.
0: Which is which is very nice, but I also think that I, I've identified that I am what I am good at, and what I am good at is I is seeing people for who they are and trying to help them in anywhere I can. And I guess for lack of a better term, really trying to improve the world in any way I can. And I think if I can do that, I'll be happy. I have a lot of, I have a long way to go in terms of loving my physical self. I have a long way to go in terms of, you know, getting to a point where I don't need medication or I don't need, you know, therapy and that kind of thing. But right now i would say i am the most well i've ever been and i i have faith that things can change for the better and i have faith in humanity and people and i would say to anyone listening if you feel like you can help in some way Please do. I feel like most of the time when I end these podcasts, I say to people, what would you give? What advice would you give to someone going through this? What advice
1: would you fucking <laughs>
0: give, Maddie? My advice would to be would be to just be a good person because it's so It's so underrated, the importance of being good and kind and genuine. Watch
1: the Joker, people. So this ties into what Maddie's saying. I do need
0: to watch Fuck that movie. my life.
1: You need to watch it. That's I need
0: good. to watch it. But... When you are a good person, when you are a kind person, the impact you have on the world, it counters so much of the bullshit. And it, it might it might not seem like it. And people might tell you that it, there's no point and that it, mm. it is, you know, ridiculous to think that a kind act can change things. So
1: easy to become jaded. Exactly. And think that nothing matters, really. 100%. But I say to those people, fuck that.
0: <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it. You can call me naive. You can call me, you know, whatever you want to call me. But I honestly think that people are inherently good and that our experiences, when we share them, can heal others. And that is forever what I will preach till the day I die.
1: Fuck. Guys, my mind's blown right now. (laughs) I can't even... This is what time is it? I don't, know, I don't we even got out of time. You, no, no! Yeah. I need to say my comment. God damn it. Maddie, that is some fucking profound shit. Um, I love you. I love you too. You are one of the best people I know. Mm. One of the best. One of the best. One of the best. Mm. Making people's ears bleed. <laughs>
0: oh, you mean us? Oh. <laughs>
1: I thought it was okay. I thought it was a good choice. See, that's your positivity again. <laughs> what the
0: fuck? I liked it.
1: I liked it. Um, what I wanted to say, Maddie, was, yes. I know we're out of time, but, you know, you cut, chop and put in as you please. Um, put it. What? Chop and Isn't there some? Anyway, what I was going to say, Maddie, was, that's Beautiful. And I love, I love when you fucking lay down the law. I love that shit. Just school me, okay? School, give us the truths of life we need to hear, and that's what this podcast does, guys. It opens up the very murky windows that we have painted um, to prevent people accessing our inner truths, and you're fucking washing that shit away. Let me tell you, you're standing there with a hose, and you're like, "Guys, I'm coming." That's
0: what I'm doing. I'm coming I'm everything
1: you down. You fucking lied about, the walls you've put up, and that's what I'm here for. And Maddie, in conclusion, on this very special podcast episode today, I'd just like to say, as a PSA, that I think you're the best Pokemon (laughs) and you've fucking evolved, Maddie. Like (laughs) Charizard, (gasps) fucking Bulbasaur, Dragon Knight. What the fuck happened to Magikarp? Like, I relate to Magikarp because you look at it, you're like, you're a fucking useless fish. What are you doing? And then it becomes this badass motherfucking Pokemon, guys. Mm. It rules the seas. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're fucking amazing. And we're
0: going to end on that note. I think you're amazing too and you've done a brilliant job.
1: I love you. I love you too. Goodbye.
0: Guys, that was me. What do you think? (laughs) I feel so, like, embarrassed and silly and nervous that I've just put that out there. But, hey, that's my truth. That's what happened. Um, How good was Sydney as well? Like, I I literally would listen to that episode uh, while editing and laugh a lot. And you probably didn't think it was that funny, but I did, because I think we're both quite funny. Yeah, I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I hope you liked it. I hope it uh, has given a little bit more context uh, as to why I created this podcast and why I enjoy talking about mental illness and mental health so much. And yeah, I hope I hope it gave you something. Um, but overall, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much to every single person who has listened to an episode, who has messaged me about the podcast, who has is- been on the show um i am so thankful for everybody's honesty and uh courage it is truly inspiring when i first set out to make this podcast i wanted to create a space in which people were comfortable and secure to be as honest as they can and i and i think i've achieved that um in this podcast at least i hope so um you know what? I'm not going to do the social media spiel. You can find me if you want. <laughs> but uh, if you do want to chat um, and potentially be on season two, you can definitely get in contact with me at if you don't mind uh, podcast at gmail.com. I don't know when season two will be ready or when it will drop or when I will release it, but it'll be, I think, in the new year. Uh, but but hopefully I'll have a few little extra bits to tie you over until then um, that I can get out there before Christmas. But as I said before, thank you so much for all your support and all your just lovely, kind messages. This has just been completely, overwhelmingly amazing. And as I say at the end of every episode, uh, but this time I mean it even more, be kind to anyone you possibly can um i hope that people are kind to you and when you have a chance to listen to someone else's story take it because this shit it changes lives thanks guys